Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Wisdom's Echo. This is a daily podcast brought to you exclusively by Origin Gate. My name is Elijah Ward, and it's my incredible honor to share with you some of the things that have been on my heart as of late as we move into new seasons, if you will, although I do not submit my life and existence to the seasonality of the natural realm, but there are new dimensions, I think might be a better fit, that we're being welcomed into by the host of heaven. And these dimensions of the heavenly landscape are um, are really bringing about new revelations of resources that are at our disposal for the actual, real, tangible terraformation of our world. Um, you know, Yahweh's heart is not to just invite us into a spiritual communion with Him um, that keeps us caught up in heavenly places and fails to produce tangible evidence. I believe that Yahweh's actually highest dream is that we would begin by giving our hearts to him and stepping into um, a degree of faith that would allow us to encounter him in a spiritual sense, but that ultimately that spiritual um, um, connection or that point of singularity with him, if you will, would actually become a conduit through which all of the, the the dreams that he has for our natural world would come into fruition through us, through his sons. I believe that Yahweh actually will not do anything in the earth unless he does it through a son. So sons that say yes to the dream of Yahweh are the very permission by which he uh, does miraculous things in the earth. You know, when he created the earth, he he set man over the earth and, and submitted um, the earth into man's dominion. And so... I believe that he honors that protocol of authority, that even though he created it, the fact that he submitted the world into the dominion of mankind means that he chooses to come through us in order to bring about realities in the earth. And so sons that say yes to a lifestyle of building, sons that say yes to a lifestyle of making tangible things come from out of heavenly realities, that is an absolute key to the transformation of our world. Because you can look around and and, and, and it's not hard. It only takes a few minutes scrolling on social media or a few conversations on um, in a certain part of town that has been steeped in worldly culture. It only takes a little while to look at the world around us and say to yourself, hmm, there's, there's a lot of change to be made in this world in order for it to look like heaven. There's a lot of progress that we need to make as his sons and as stewards of our natural world in order to make this place look a little bit more like the heavenly landscape. Um, and that's a call on our life to bring about earth as it is, uh, I'm sorry, to bring about heaven, that reality um, here into the earth. And so um, I just want to talk a little bit about somebody that I felt like did a really good job at this. You know, we actually have um, some uh, some friends in our house this week. They've been here for a couple weeks, and they are bringing about the dream of Yahweh to our family um, that we've been dreaming about for a long time. And it has to do with our upstairs. Um, we, When we bought this house that we're in, in Mobile, Alabama, in 2016, 
Um, there, the, there was about 1,950 square feet on the first floor and about 800 square feet on the second floor. And so the first floor was plenty for our family to live comfortably in um, and honestly still is because at the time that we moved here, we had one daughter. She was two years old. Um, now we have two daughters, um, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. And so it was plenty of space for us, but the second floor, we had always dreamed about what that could be because it was just attic space. It was a lot of place where we could store things for Christmas and store all kinds of stuff, um, um, furniture or whatever it might be. Um, but it was just, it remained almost a blank canvas for so long. And about a year ago, we had some friends over to our house, um, who, uh, and we just had a spontaneous night of worship. We ate some pizza and we just worshiped the Lord. I mean, you don't, those are the ingredients for a, for a good time. And so as we were worshiping, um, one of my great friends and a powerful oracle of the kingdom of heaven, his name is Morgan Booth. He was playing his guitar and began to release a song that sounded like this, In Your House, There Are Many Rooms. He just began to sing that over and over again. In Your House, There Are Many Rooms. And we captured that in the form of a recording um, on some of our recording equipment, and we just listened to it over the course of the year. Well, recently we had... we had um, been enabled by Yahweh to really bring about some change, and so we were able to uh, to bring in Morgan and his family, who do incredible job, um, an incredible job with renovations and home improvement um, and building. And uh, they are currently, literally today, actually, as I'm recording this podcast at this very moment, they are upstairs putting the finishing touches on a dream that's been in our hearts for so long that we can now hold in our hand. And so this has blessed me so tremendously to see the tangibility of this dream collapse into the natural world that it has really shaken me and caused me to look at the life of people that we have um, heralded through the generations as builders in a natural sense and, uh, and, and really made me dive into understanding what their life was like and how faithful they were to bring about transformation. And so one of those people that I've, um, I've got here in my notes that I want to just share a few things with you about, his name is Noah. And so um, actually this last Sunday at Gates of Zion in Mobile, Alabama, I was given the honor of, um, of speaking on Sunday and just sharing with the family um, who, were in, who were present in the church and also the, all those who tune in via live stream, I had the opportunity to share with them some things the Lord has been working in my heart about the life of Noah. And in my, I can't, there's no way I could get through all of these notes in just, um, in just the 15 minutes that I have for this podcast. And so I just want to share a few things about this. And in my notes, I actually called it things to consider. There really, in my mind, are four things about the life of Noah that I think are important things for us to consider that can give us a better sense of context as to what he actually did, how honorable it was that he did it, um, the extent that he went to in order to bring about the word of Yahweh in the earth. It's really admirable. So let me just read these things. I won't read the scripture about Noah's life because I'm assuming that um, if you're listening to this podcast, you either know it or you have a Bible at your disposal where you can go and read about that in Genesis chapter 5 and 6 and 7 and even beyond. 
Um, but also, if you don't have a Bible, you probably have internet access by which you are tuning into this podcast. So you could also Google the story of Noah. But I'm just going to start um, with a few things to consider about his life that have just rocked my world. And uh, just to give you some context, though, Noah was the ninth descendant from Adam. So he was the 10th of the antediluvian patriarchs. And when his father, Lamech, was 182 years old is when he fathered Noah. And when Lamech fathered him, he prophetically identified an age of rest in Genesis chapter 5, verse 29. And it was such an interesting thing to me that he would declare this. I want to read that declaration to you. It says this, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. And so when Lamech hit, when he named his son Noah, the word Nuach in Hebrew is what he named him. And when you look into the Strong's Concordance to understand what that name means, the definition that comes up is rest. And I find it so fascinating that a man who is memorialized throughout generations of history would be named, uh, um, who, who was memorialized throughout generations for spending a century of his life building a massive ark, that he would be named Rest. And so um, let me just read a few things here, things to consider. Um, the first one. Noah's name comes from the Hebrew nuach, which means rest, and is a reflection of the grace his father identified that rested on his life. However, the concept of rest is far from the mind's eye of anyone meditating realistically on the life and ministry of Noah, a man known for spending upwards of a hundred years of his life constructing with his hands a vessel of deliverance. I believe the uncommon grace for rest that Lamech rightfully identified and that Noah appropriately stewarded was not a lack of doings, but it was actually a realm that he was providentially given the responsibility to pioneer. So when we find that Lamech his Noah's father names him rest. It's not because his 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 life would be marked by rest. It's that he would be pioneering a realm of rest, so that all of his doings, everything that he was faithful to say yes to, the way that he lived his life, was breaking open a reality that is actually best described by the mountains um, that the ark rested on after the floodwater subsided, and that name is Ararat, and it literally means the curse is reversed. So that's an incredible thing to consider there. Now, number two, Noah, who was a faithful builder, was 500 years old when Yahweh unfolded the heavenly schematics of his dream. And so I think that's an incredible thing to consider. Now, a lot of people, when they talk about following their dreams, they'll talk about youth. They'll mention doing it early. I know a lot of people will talk to people who are college-aged or in high school and say, oh, you could do anything you want with your life. Well, the truth is that all of us can do anything we want with our life. Now, Noah was 500 years old, scripturally, I, that's what that's the, his age when Yahweh spoke to him and gave him instructions to build. He was 500. Now, he comes from a lineage, though, of, of, um, of longevity. Now, 
Noah's great-grandfather was Enoch, who literally walked with Yahweh so closely and in such a degree of communion and delight that he was taken into another realm. He literally failed to expire in a natural sense, um, which is amazing. But his grandfather even is Methuselah. And Methuselah is is remembered and honestly known by a lot of people as being the oldest person to have scripturally lived. According to the what's in the Bible, he had the longest life of 969 years. Um, so that's another thing that's incredible. But his father Lamech lived to be 777 years old, which is an awesome number. And his name means powerful. And so Noah had has this lineage in his life of those who would engage in a spiritual sense, but also in a natural sense, this reality of longevity. And I believe that Noah spent a lot of time learning from his great-grandfather Enoch, because Enoch, in Scripture, it says he walked with God and was no more. He was caught up. Well, one of the things that Noah is scripturally mentioned as embodying is in chapter 6, verse 9, it talks about how it says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Noah was blameless in his generation, and Noah walked with God. And I really see the heart, the heart posture of his great-grandfather Enoch in that statement. And so I think that speaks a lot to this transgenerational consciousness that his lineage of this lineage of men had. Um, so in the, the second thing to consider is this, as it relates to our life, as we mine out of this revelation from Noah, is that he was 500 years old when Yahweh unfolded the heavenly schematics of his dream. And so my question literally written in my notes is this, how old are you? And the answer is still, still younger than Noah. So get busy. Be ready because you're eligible to receive something amazing from the Father. Um, and this is, this is such a blessing because, you know, there, we're, we were, we're trained to believe that age, um, the, um, the progressing of our age is a digressing in our eligibility for Yahweh to use us to do something powerful. But um, in a spiritual sense and scripturally speaking, that has no base. It's not factual. Yahweh will use any willing son who has a heart to say yes. So that's a powerful truth. Now, number three, the third thing to consider. There is no scripturally iterated timestamp on Yahweh's instructions to Noah that were found in verses 14 through 16, where he says, make an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, etc., etc. There's a list of schematics. Now, we know how old Noah was prior to the constructing of the ark. He was 500, it says. And, at, and honestly, at the moment when the fountain of the deep broke open and the earth flooded, it's right before that it said that he was 600 years old. So we can reasonably deduce that he, that he spent about 100 years constructing the ark. Um, but what we cannot reasonably deduce based on what's in Scripture is that God spoke all of those schematics at once. And so it says, make thee an ark of gopher wood. The next sentence, make rooms in the ark. The next sentence, he talks about um, he talks about dimensions. Now, in the book of Genesis, we often see a from one sentence to another, from one verse to another, there can be a gap of hundreds of years, and you could probably even argue that there are gaps of thousands of years hidden in the scripture of this. And so, it could have been really, honestly, it could have been like this: that when Noah was walking with God in the cool of the day, when he was five hundred years old, he heard the Lord speak, and it sounded like this: "Make rooms in the." The ark. Or maybe it was even the first one, make an ark, period. 
Just make an ark. And he could have sat on that word for two years processing it. You know how it is when Yahweh speaks to you. He gives you a massive dream and you capture it in your phone or in your notes and you spend so long just chewing on what he said, asking questions. Well, what he could have even been asking, what is an ark? Because it was, it was honestly, it, it was, it could have been years before he even found out exactly what Yahweh wanted him to build when he gave dimensions and other details about what it was. And so if Yahweh, the, what I bring away from this, then my thing to consider in this, in this observation is that if God has only given you a piece of something, a single command, then treat it like Noah and simply do what Scripture says several times that Noah did. And it's Noah did all that Yahweh commanded. And when you piece together all those dots that he gives you, maybe you get one today, one in two years, one in five years, one in ten years, all of those things will come together into a beautiful orchestration of his word. So keep going. Now, the last thing I want us to consider about the life of Noah is this. It says, Noah spent a hundred years of his life immersed in and surrounded by an entire culture of godlessness. Scripture calls it a society of violence. And he was building a solution for a problem that had never even existed before. It's theologically speaking, a lot of people believe it had never rained. And so there was no evidence that the problem even existed that he was creating the solution for, but also no one else heard this command except for himself. There's no verse in scripture about how Noah's pastor confirmed the prophetic word from God. And there's no scripture verse that says that the details um, of what he was being told to build, that his family stood in immediate agreement with that. And that, that, that dream that was transacted in his spirit to build an ark was something that other people approved of. The facts are this, that what we can reasonably deduce in Scripture is that Yahweh spoke and that Noah built. It doesn't mean that Noah didn't wrestle with it. It doesn't mean that there were days when he um, didn't quit, maybe, temporarily, and give up or get overwhelmed or stressed. Maybe he did. And, and maybe he had trouble acquiring resources to build. Maybe he encountered opposition in his relationships. But, you know, I bet he wondered sometimes if, there would, if it would even come to an end. A hundred years is a long time. We complain about dreams that take ten years to, uh, to collapse into our reality. But somehow... And for some reason, by some supernatural resource of strength and perseverance, Noah continued. He perpetuated that heart posture of being willing to do what Yahweh told him to do, and he finished the ark. So he's a finisher, and Yahweh used Noah to bring about cosmic transformation. And so I just want to point this one last thing out, that the most important thing about this entire story to me is that Noah was faithful to hear the instructions of the Lord. And so I think it all really breaks, it all comes out of and breaks open from that reality of walking with God, being a righteous man, setting your heart to love the Lord with all of your heart, um, soul, all of your strength, everything, um, to love him with all that you have and to stay close enough to him to hear him whisper so that when he does speak, you can begin taking actionable steps and, sh- and displaying faithfulness in your life to love his dream enough to actually bring it into existence. And so I hope this encourages everyone today. I know it's encouraged me tremendously as I'm in a process of building in my house, in our real estate company, in my family, all of that. I just hope that you're blessed by this and that the Lord would continue to permeate your heart with a passion for his presence and that you would be known first as someone who walks with the Lord daily, who, who, who 
who walks with him in the cool of the day and who's righteous and in pursuit of his very heart before everything else. And so I bless you with this, everyone, and I look forward to joining you in a future podcast. Shalom.